Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, we continue our series going through the different lessons of my book, How They Love Mary, available from Sophia Institute Press. One of the people that I was able to include in my book was the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago, Francis George, who went to his eternal rest a number of years ago. During my time at Mundelein Seminary, I was able to interact with Cardinal George. He would always come every year and give a lecture to all of the seminaries. He was a great intellectual giant. Sometimes I didn't understand the things that he was saying because he was so brilliant, so smart. I would always look forward to reading his column in the Chicago Catholic newspaper as well. So there's lots of things that we can talk about Cardinal George. He had a great devotion to Our Lady as a member of the missionary oblates of Mary Immaculate. So their very order is Marian by nature. He went on many pilgrimages to Lourdes. Cardinal George said one of the August 15th masses at the Champion Shrine, the only site of an approved Marian apparition in the United States. So he was a pilgrim as well in his Marian devotion. I'm going to be speaking with a very good friend of mine, Mike Stark, and he did a documentary with Shalom World on Francis Cardinal George. And so I thought since he kind of studied his life, heard lots of people talk about him, he was the right person today to talk about Cardinal George. So thanks so much, Mike, for joining me. It's my pleasure, Father Ed. Well, it's interesting, you know, I think to talk about how we met. So we met really because of a priest friend of mine now, at the time, he was just a seminarian, but his name was Michael Grezik, Father Michael Grezik, and he wanted to gift to the seminarians at Mundelein a copy of an audio Bible called Truth and Life. And Michael went and met with you one day and wanted to ask if you would donate or how much you could kind of finagle the price on it so that all of the seminarians could have it and be able to hear the Word of God, not only just at Mass, but when they're driving around, when they're out walking, to be able to listen to a dramatized version of the Scripture. So I think that's how we initially met. And then because you were always promoting it back in the day, and I had some books as well, we would be vendors at different conferences. And so this friendship just kind of forged that we hung out at these different events. You were able to introduce me to a few other people, Anna Nuzo, for example, who opens every How They Love Mary podcast with that How They Love Mary jingle. Uh, also through you, uh, I was speaking at a conference, the Guy Murphy Totally Yours conference. You brought in Kevin Matthews, was able to make his acquaintance, and now we talk a lot. We hang out together. Uh, I remember we were at that conference and we called ourselves the Clarion in Bandits because we were always, you know, kind of in this area where there was the place where you could get drinks or food or whatever, and there's no one ever staffing it. So Kevin always said that this would be a great place that you could easily rob. So, so that was a little nickname that we took on that weekend. Uh, because of you, really, your invitation to go to the Catholic Marketing Network to talk about a rosary litany on Doug Keck's bookmark, uh, I was able to pitch a new book that began my writing career really uh, on a kind of a profound level with a heart like Mary's to Ave Maria Press. So you've been very influential in my life. That's all to say, uh, suffice to say. So so thank you for all that. And is does all of that resonate with your recollection? It, it definitely does. Um, and I, I want to you know, make 
be clear that I did not take anything out of that cafeteria, uh, <laughs> although Kevin suggests that we do. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, that, uh, Mike Grezik, a uh, good friend of both of ours, uh, a classmate of yours, had reached out and um, we had created the Truth and Life <clears throat> audio Bible a couple of years prior. And it was on uh, it was on CD uh, at first, and then we made an app. Uh, he wanted to sell his. He had he had a couple cars. You know, who needs two cars? But he had he had kept his old car because he he wasn't going to get as much on the trade in as he thought it was worth. So he just thought he'd sell it on the side. Then he was he was willing to sell that car to the uh, Truth and Life app for everyone in your class. That is absolutely correct. And when he reached out to me uh, with a letter, he said, I'm a seminarian at uh, University of Maryland Lake, and I would like to buy um, this. Could you offer us a seminarian discount? And I said, yeah, I can't offer you a seminarian free. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, free. I mean, why would I charge a priest um, book that we all live by, um, you know, pay it forward? It's more like, um, you know, from a marketing point of view, if the priests love it and they like it, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna preach it in church. I also, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm never gonna charge a priest. And as a matter of fact, I just ran into a couple new priests, uh, new uh, priests, and a couple seminarians. Um, you know, the priests were just ordained this, this past uh, spring, and now we had a couple seminarians visit our church uh, a couple weeks ago. Out to the seminarians, uh, you know, the rectors at the seminaries, and said, "Hey, um, please." Back to me and give me the emails of the priests, uh, potential priests, and I'm happy to send it to them. And I continue to do that because I think that's the best way to uh, you know, provide the Word of God. To, as you said, you can listen to it while you're working out, while you're in the car, while you're reflecting. Some in bed, um, you, you can't always put your eyes on it and read it. Sometimes it's peaceful and reflective to just uh, turn out the lights, as Archbishop Listecki said, and and meditate on it and just listen. Of the uh, of the Bible because it's a dramatized audio Bible that you hear the water, hear the nails breaking uh, the wood as as Jesus is nailed to the cross. So um, it's it's a great tool for everybody to have. Uh, obviously, having Scott Hans, uh, the complete Ignatius Study Bible, being part of it helps them learn more about what they're risk to in reading. Um, so. That is how we met, and then uh, the Guy Murphy Conference obviously uh, was a big part of that, and um, Men of Christ up in Milwaukee. Um, and you're right, we've just we've developed a great friendship. I, I would very very close friends, despite the pa uh, fact that you're a Packer fan and I'm a Bears fan. We've even gone to a, a game together, and uh, you've invited me to uh, to do another one this year. Um, and so. Uh, Despite our football differences, we we have so many similarities, and uh, and uh, it's an honor to be a friend uh, of of such a great priest to bring uh, you know your faith to everybody. Um, you know the Rosary Litany. Uh, I've, as you know, I've, I've I've used that book so many times in in prayer, especially at Marytown, that you know I've got oil stains on the book because it's it's such a great read as you're praying the rosary to assist in, uh, in, in praying the rosary and actually getting deeper in the thought process of what you're actually praying rather than just the uh, cadence of a rosary. So you've done, uh, you've done some great things. A Heart Like Mary, obviously, is, uh, is a great book as well.
How They Love Mary is a great book as well. And the fact that you've uh, featured people and their, their devotion to Mary, uh, including Cardinal George, is great. And we can get into who he is and talk more about him. But I, uh, I definitely am honored to call you my friend and that you'd have me on. Now, tell me a little bit about the Truth and Life Audio Bible. You mentioned a little bit that it's a dramatized version. You can hear the water. You can hear the nail marks. And boy, let me just say one thing. I've been reading The Mystical City of God. I've been doing it every day, 365 days in the year 2022. And I just got to the part where Jesus is being nailed to the cross. And boy, what Maria Vagrida had in her visions and what she reflected on was the fact that they had augured the cross— And it was too long where they were going to nail him. So they took his took his arms and took some chains and just pulled his arms to reach the nail marks. And I never thought of that or never had reflected on that. But boy, that was such for me an image of like, oh my gosh, the torture that Jesus underwent. Of course you know he was scourged and all these things, but but to think about it in such greater detail and to hear what a mystic of the church is saying was just very profound to me. So I'm sure the crucifixion scene, very moving in that sense, uh, as you are almost feel as if you're there. So who are some of the key players in it. Why did he make the Truth and Life Audio Bible? Well, quite honestly, uh, Malcolm McDonough plays Jesus. Um, uh, Caiaphas is played by Malcolm McDowell. You might remember the great English actor who played in a class orange. Um, and he, you just listen to his voice um, when he says, do not write the king of the Jews, but this man says I am king of the Jews. He's just, you're your skin crawls when you hear his voice and the sound effects. And my uh, very good friend and your friend, Carl Amari, who's who's known for the shows, he's restored and remastered all the old time radio shows, is great with the sound and the origin of the Bible, the Truth and Life audio Bible, actually came from the Passion of the Christ because we had made a movie um, several years prior um, with Jim Caviezel in it before he was a big star, before he played Jesus. And Carl actually went over to Rome with Jim to watch the filming of The Passion. And while they were over there, they discussed creating an audio Bible. And the funding was there for a, uh, a Protestant Bible, in which Jim uh, again um, recreated his role as Jesus, audio-wise. Um, but nobody would fund a Catholic Bible. So uh, Carl came to me. Um, I'm adopted out of the Archdiocese on the lottery as a kid. I ended up in a great family with uh, with a military, with a, a Navy lieutenant, a Navy lieutenant, and my mom who were amazing uh, parents. And I never even bothered to research who uh, who put me up for adoption. They were my real parents. They told me from day one that they chose me and they loved me. And so my gift back to God, obviously, was uh, you know when my parents had passed to use some of my inheritance to help fund the truth and life audio bible and um yes the sound effects that you speak of uh archbishop listecki i will refer to again great great archbishop said um you know if you just go into a room and and turn out the lights and just listen to it and reflect on it that is uh that is what you'll get that's listening to it is going to have a different image of what's happening but that is probably you know the elevator 
uh, speech, so to speak, if you've only got uh, 15 seconds of time, that's where I would go to show the, the power of the audio Bible, just listening to that you know, brief scene of him being nailed to the cross as you hear the nails going in, the wood splitting, and just you, you feel his pain. You you tear up almost sometimes. Uh, I'm kind of used to hearing it now. It's very, very moving. And um, so that's why we did it. We, we did it. Uh, we'll give everybody an opportunity to experience the Bible, not just read it. Um, it's like your uh, rosary litany. You can experience the rosary by reading your different, uh, you know, Jesus saw his mother. Jesus fell three times. They wiped the sweat from his the stuff that we all know happened but as you're praying the rosary you are experiencing what the people on the scene actually experience and so we give that back i think we've done a pretty good job of it um it is available at www.downloadjesus.com for anyone that's listening that's interested in, in procuring it but it's uh it's definitely something i think everybody should have uh on their phone there's so many apps out there and for you to have vatican endorsed with an imprimatur audio bible catholic audio bible uh truth and life i think that's a great thing for everybody to have and cardinal george was a huge supporter of it in fact when i talked to him about it he immediately wrote letters to all the bishops and um suggested that they uh, inform all their uh all their diocese of this audio Bible. Um, Cardinal Dolan actually called it the greatest Catholic product ever, to which Father Barron at the time said to me, well, they haven't seen Catholicism yet, because Father Barron, also a good friend of mine, good friend of yours, he's now Bishop Barron, um, and Catholicism series is a wonderful tool, but uh, you can't uh, you can't do anything without the, uh, the Bible is the, is the foundation, everything else is is uh, I don't want to say dressing because there's a lot of important stuff that goes beyond the Bible, but the Bible is definitely the foundation. And it's not just the Gospels; it's the entire New Testament, the Truth and Life Audio Bible. So you'll get the letters of Paul, the letter of John, the letter of Jude, Book of Revelation. You get the whole New Testament, and you can download it as an app, as you said. And and Cardinal George, right. who we're going to talk about today, you mentioned, and I remember being in your house, in your office, you have a framed letter that Cardinal George, I think, sent to all the priests in the archdiocese, encouraging them to check it out and to promote it in their parishes. So a great proponent of it, and he was a very holy man, loved the Word of God, preached it all the time. Do you remember the first time you ever met Cardinal George? I do, as a matter of fact. Yeah, he came to my house in Lake Forest, um, and uh, I walked up to him. Uh, I had, we had just completed it and I had the CDs, I had a CD case and there's a huge line, but I, I wanted to be in the front. So I was like second or third in line to greet him. And I just told him, I'm Mike Stark. I'm the uh, um, executive producer of this truth and life audio Bible. It carries an imprimatur. Uh, Pope Benedict has endorsed it. And he already knew. He already knew about it. I mean, this guy, uh, I mean, I, I don't know, but he thanked me very much. And I went on my way. And then I was at the priest convocation, which I was invited to uh, as a vendor. But, you know, I didn't pay. They didn't ask me to pay for anything because we were running on a shoestring. And so um, they, they, they gifted me a table. 
And I was going to play golf with Father Barron. And um, and he said, well, let me introduce you to Cardinal George. Have you ever met him? I said, yeah, briefly at St. Mary's. And Father Barron was a resident at St. Mary's as well. So um, we're walking up. This is crack of dawn. And Cardinal George was with his pre-secretary, Father Dan Flens, who's become a friend now. But before, he was kind of like the, uh, the, the watchdog, the barrier, the, uh, the, the guard. Of him. And we walked up and... Um, Father Barron says, uh, Your Eminence, I'd like to introduce to you Michael Stark. And he's like, I already know Michael Stark. Uh, he created that wonderful Truth in Life audio Bible. Uh, I, oh, It's just brilliant. I love it. I love listening to it. And um, that was pretty much it. Then we went out and played golf. Uh, Father Barron and I went out and played golf. And then later that day, Father Flens came up to me and asked me if I could get him another uh, copy of the CD. And I absolutely, I said, for who? And he says, Cardinal George. He's got one by his uh, bedside table, and he wants one for the car. Wow. <laughs> well, what a great compliment, right? Yep. Yep. So he had two sets. And as you said, he um, he wrote a letter to all the priests as well as uh, reaching out to all the bishops. He, he told everybody about it. And, you know, as um, the priest or deacon say at the end of Mass, go forth and proclaim the gospel of the Lord. I kind of have a smart aleck response to that. When they say that, I say, I do it every day because some way, shape, or form, um, I am sharing the gospel of the Lord with people, not just the gospel, as you said, but the whole New Testament, which is 22 hours long. And uh, we're going to work on the Old Testament um, relatively soon now. It's it's actually going to happen uh, after, uh, you know, 12 years later. But it's everybody asks, what are you going to do with the uh, Old Testament? Well, it took a lot of money and effort to put the new test together, and there wasn't really a lot, wasn't a moneymaker, let's put it that way. But um, it certainly will hopefully make up for uh, my sins that I've committed as a, as a human being, a fallible human being on earth. Uh, maybe I'll get some, uh, some equilibrium points there, and uh, it'll balance the scales a little bit. So you got to know Cardinal George a little bit. He was a big supporter of your work. He dies. And then you decide, right. let's make a documentary about him. Why? Well, let's 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 rephrase that. I didn't decide that. It was not my idea. Um, the people at Shalom World came to me at Men of Christ, actually, because um, we were doing a documentary on Men of Christ because I'm such a strong supporter. I love Kevin O'Brien and the Men of Christ and the greatest Catholic conference probably in the world up there in Milwaukee. Uh, you and I uh, shared a cup of coffee there as well, spent some time there, obviously, because you are from Wisconsin, and I'm in the northern part of Illinois. But um, So we did a documentary on on the, on the Men of Christ, and Scott Hahn was there, who was a huge supporter of the Truth and Life. Obviously, he's a uh, big part of it with the Ignatius Study Bible that's in there. But So they wanted me to interview Scott because I knew Scott. And then they said, you know Cardinal George very well. I think we should do a documentary on his life. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Far be it from me to do that. I, I, I oh boy, I'm not the person for that. They're like, no, we think you are. Because you know everybody. And I did. And I'm pretty good in front of the camera because I just, I look at it like I'm talking to you right now. It's not, um, I'm just comfortable talking to people, whether it be in person on TV or a big crowd of you know thousands of people. I've done it all, and it doesn't seem to bother me. So it's like, okay, all I'm going to be doing is is gathering his friends together and talking about their memories. Uh, I mean, it can be that hard. And so we uh, 
we proceeded with it. I obviously talked to, uh, at that time, Bishop Barron, and um, I talked to some people in the archdiocese. Um, the scary part was when I, I was told Colleen Dolan, basically his director of uh, communications, told me to call Margaret, his sister. And I'm like, boy, oh boy, you know, knowing how smart he was and how he would just call out any BS, no matter what, she's the same way. I'm like, well, he's going to be like, what qualifies you to uh, be the steward of my brother's life? And I'm, I'm just thinking, what is she going to say? How is she going to be? Uh, I was actually very <laughs> concerned and scared. Like, oh, this lady's, and she's right. Uh, saying, well, why you? I'm like, I, I don't know. She didn't even ask that question. And her and I are quite close friends now, as you know. Uh, she's a wonderful woman with a great sense of humor and sharp as a whip. I mean, she is uh, uh, almost 90 years old now. And she... Uh, she is the kindest, sharpest person, uh, you know, that I know at that age. I mean, she just uh, was was honored and happy to be part of the story of her brother's life. And we made this uh, wonderful segment with her where we went to visit her. And um, Kevin Matthews came with me because he wanted to meet her. Um, you certainly should do a show on Kevin Matthews and how he loves Mary. Um, even though a lot of people out there don't know who he is, but I'll tell you I what. I did a long is, time uh, ago, actually, but it's always, you know, we could always do another one. Yeah, he's he's amazing. But she, and I, I, I love her and I call her and I pray for her every day. And she's uh, she's great over there in her home in Michigan. And um, she was very, very happy, very pleased with how the documentary came out. So of everybody that I needed to prove it to, Watching the documentary with her uh, was number one on my bucket, and she was just brought to tears. I mean, she was she was thrilled with it. So I'm very glad uh, oh, that I passed, I passed that test. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought it was your inspiration, so I'm glad you corrected me on that. But then what that means is that you admired Cardinal George. He supported your work, but you must have then had a growing, in a sense, if we could say devotion to Cardinal George after his death, as you learn more about him and hear stories about him, you grow in your fondness and appreciation for him. But I'm sure you also learned some very fascinating things about Cardinal George as well. So what are some of the little tidbits that maybe fascinate you? Maybe some things people don't know about him even. Well, the fun stuff uh, was with his sister talking about them growing up um, together in this house uh, in Chicago and uh, to listen to the Cinnamon Bear, which is a classic old-time radio. And we were actually able, Carl Amari, who created the Truth and Life audio Bible, he has the rights to the Cinnamon Bear. And so we were actually able to sprinkle the cinnamon, haha. <laughs> Uh, sprinkle the cinnamon bear into our uh, documentary on Cardinal George, where you could actually listen to it and uh, uh, put that into it. But how he was this athletic, musically inclined, healthy kid, and then polio struck him and struck him hard. And he had to, you know, stay inside and watch the other kids play at recess and how that must have tormented him. And when he, you know, at such a young age, knew he wanted to be a priest and how he, uh, his sister said that he wanted to reenact the mass and everybody else, and the, the, their mom was worried they was going to burn the house down with the candles and this and that. Like, no, no, you gotta, you got to slow down with this. Um, 
So he wanted to be a priest. And because of his polio and the crutches and the stairs at Quigley and the different bus stops that he had had to go to, really isn't that far. I mean, where he grew up, just west of of the city. But the archdiocese at that time says, not so fast. Um, not here, not in our diocese. We're not, we're not doing that. You're not going to, you're not going to be a priest here. And what a setback that had to be for a young man who had just the love of Mary, the love of the church. And this is what he wanted to be. It was his dream. It's like a football player or baseball player being cut. You know, when they thought all along, they're going to be a professional athlete. It's like, okay, well, sorry, you don't make it. You're out. So then what does he do? He obviously goes to a, a, religious group um and becomes you know goes to the omis and says hey can i come with you guys can can i work with you guys and they welcomed him down in belleville and um he traveled down there and, and quickly rose to uh to prominence in in that in that group and you know at, at that point um he was a priest obviously and then he he became uh, you know more than a priest, uh, and eventually he became bishop, and he moved around, and then uh, came back to Chicago as Touche, the Archbishop of Chicago. The people that didn't want him now he was leading them, and uh, and when he came, and there was some pushback on that because they called him uh, you know the sheriff, you know that he was he was going to you know try and be um, you know change make all these wholesale changes and so you know at that time a lot of people were pushing back on him and he mended those fences as well um and uh was really beloved um and as the funeral procession uh as his sister recalled uh passed through chicago she couldn't believe all the people that were out on the route between holy name cathedral and in the cemetery all the people that are out celebrating his life, there were helicopters, there were cars, there were motorcycle courts. Uh, uh, but people were all along the uh, the parade route, so to speak. He was so loved. And the way he brought the other religions, like he was very close with the head of the Jewish faith as well as the Muslim faith. And, and I remember listening to his friend, the rabbi, uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but was saying that nobody did more for interfaith uh, dialogue than Cardinal George. You mentioned his funeral, you mentioned his death. Of course, at the very end, he suffered a lot too. So his whole life was marked by redemptive suffering, offering his pain, uniting it to the cross of Jesus for the benefit of the church, for the salvation of souls, for the sanctification of the clergy. I'm sure the list goes on what his petitions were. Talking about his Marian devotion on his funeral card, it was, you know, from that hour, John took Mary into his home. It was one of the one of the passages from John's gospel about the crucifixion of Jesus and Mary being there at the foot of the cross. So Mary was really a part of that, uh, even until the very end. And, and so he's buried in the Archdiocese of Chicago, I think Queen of Heaven Cemetery, if I'm not mistaken. Do you visit his grave often or ever? I do, yes. Um, and let me just say one other thing brought up, good point, is uh, in, in the documentary, uh, Bishop Barron even says, he never complained. 
but not a day went by when he wasn't in pain. And I mean, famously, he had a couple falls in, in churches uh, on, on different um, hard surfaces, and he never complained about it, which may, probably made it harder, uh, as Bishop Barron said, for uh, for for somebody else to come to him and complain about something because this guy was in physical pain every day. Um, and yes, I've gone and offered it up uh, and, and prayed rosaries at his great site. Um, I've I visited him. I mean, conveniently, it's only about a half hour from my home. So it's right by a baseball field. I used to play baseball on, I mean, recently as an adult. So uh, sometimes I go over after game and, and pray because he's been gone for, for a while now. But um, yes, I definitely um, visited him and a lot of people do. And I've run into several friends there, several priests there. Uh, Mary Helen Fiorito, his, uh, his right hand woman, so to speak. She was, she was there with him for just about everything also. Um, she's, she's a great person also that, uh, stood by him. And so, um, I've seen her there as well. And we, we, we still keep in touch as I do with Father Dan Flens. Um, and, and in fact, we were invited to the USCCB to present the documentary to the USCCB in Baltimore, uh, in November of 2019. And everyone, I just was amazed at how happy everyone was to see Mary and Father Dan, all the all the uh, all the bishops that were there, everyone was so happy to to greet them and see them and talk to them. Cardinal George had so many friends, um, and you know, a lot of people looked at him as a gruff guy, quiet guy, but he really was beloved in the church. And um, another thing I will say, and this is a fact, that it didn't matter what time of day it was. He could have been through a long eight-hour day, you know, trudging along in his brace at these different events. But if somebody wanted to see him, if one of his seminarians or priests wanted to see him, he would carve out time to talk to that person and not cut them off. Let's say you've got a 15-minute window. He'd talk to them for as long as they needed to talk to him to comfort them or give advice or or even to have an active disagreement with somebody, you know, and, and hear the person's you know, points and then respond rather than just saying you're wrong i'm the cardinal you're out um go away he would he would honestly you know receive that person and and hear them fully and 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 respond to that so he's a very open-minded loving kind i would say almost in the way jesus would receive somebody that uh that's high praise but i i really believe that's how he lived his life with an amazing devotion to our Blessed Mother. There's no question about it, obviously. Um, that that's, was a huge part of his life, uh, Marian devotion. You visit his grave, you see other people there. I think sometimes when people visit the grave of someone, maybe they're praying for a little grace, for a little miracle that we would call maybe intercession. Uh, there's no yep. public cause for his sainthood, so... But do you think he should be a saint? Will he be a saint of the church? Could he be an American saint? I absolutely think he will. I think he is probably one of the greatest archbishops in history. I'll bear this out in the history of our church. Um, on the American side, if not the, the whole you know Catholic world, um, he had votes. He's the only American uh, uh, cardinal to receive votes for, uh, for Pope, which is, that's a fact. Um, and people I mean, actually thought he was elected Pope because when they came out and they said, 
Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio, they, people just heard Jorge, and so they just thought Cardinal George. So there were some people kind of jumping the gun thinking he was uh, elected as the pontiff. Yeah, and um, look at what Bergoglio chose as his name, <laughs> Francis. Yeah, and that's so why there was so there's much confusion. There's a Francis George there, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's, I mean, that's a very good point, Ed. I, I didn't think about that, but yes, you are, you are one hundred percent correct on that. And but he did get votes. I mean, and he was all cardinals, um, and uh, as well he should be. Um, Baron uh, Bishop Barron said he's probably the most brilliant man that's uh, you know been cardinal. I mean, he's he card, you know, Bishop Barron feels that way about Cardinal George. Now, word on fire is an offshoot of Cardinal George telling uh, Father Barron to go do your thing. Like Father Barron had the desire to bring more knowledge of the Catholic church to the lay people out, out here. And Cardinal George says, well, what do you got in mind? And what's stopping you? Go do it. You have my blessing. I mean, and that's just, that's how he operated. He really just wanted to further the knowledge because he was a inquisitive man about a lot of things. He was very curious about finding things out. And um, and Father Barron's is willing to put it on a platter for, for us people that don't know what, you know, we didn't go to seminary. We don't know all the things that he knows. And, um, and Catholicism is a great tool for that, obviously, to inform uh, people of our Catholic faith and some of the history, but, you know, the intricacies of, of what, uh, what our church is all about. And Cardinal George was a big fan of that. You are the director of this documentary about Cardinal George. You did it with Shalom World Television. It's aired on EWTN. You've had lots of different types of people see it. All the people you interviewed, they saw it. They were friends of Cardinal George. You were able to watch it with his sister. So they all had their own comments. But if you think Cardinal George would have sat down and watched this documentary alongside you, what do you think he would have said to you about it? Why did you do this? <laughs> sure. I'm not worthy. That's what he would have said. I mean, you you know that. He would have said that. You, there was no need for this. Why did you do this? You're wasting people's time. That's that's what he would have said. And I think if you play, the, if, if Margaret Kane listens to this show, uh, Cardinal's sister, she would laugh and agree with me that that's what uh, he would say. Bishop Barron would agree with that. Colonel Dolan would agree with that. Dan Flens would agree with that. Mary Fiorita would agree with that. The people, and I got to say, we had a great group of people. Um, I was at the residence interviewing Bishop Gatter when uh, Archbishop Kurtz, uh, who was the president of the USCCB at the time, wandered in uh, to the residence. He's like, oh, Mike, what are you doing here? I said, I'm selling Bibles. Would you like me? He's like, no, no, you're not here for that. I said, I'm doing a documentary on Cardinal George. He's like, oh, really like he just perked up i said would you like to be part of it he says i absolutely would and he had a funny line in the in the um, documentary he says you're a you're a fan of the chicago cubs well i'm a fan of cardinal george and he just went into that um you know how great he was bishop perry talking about how francis george was involved in you know the he wants uh, tolton to become a saint and how um, Cardinal George pushed for Tolton's cause. You know, that's something the first black priest in the United States. Um, again, Francis George was a, 
a connector. He he brought people together and, and that have different opinions. I mean, he is the kind of person we need right now in this country as we're so divided. He he is a man of reason, but you can't argue his his intellect. And no matter how ardent you are against a point that he may have, at the end of the day, you'll be agreeing with him because he's he's such a reasonable guy, and you can't argue his his thought process. He's he's that kind of guy, liberal or conservative, he's neither. Just a wonderful man, and he seems standoffish to some people as well. But he wasn't standoffish. He greeted everybody, but he was intimidating because he was so smart and because he had uh, the red beanie. You know, some people at first would be afraid to approach him as. I wasn't, but but I I realized it sitting uh, with a bunch of priests in the convocation that there were still priests that were a little afraid of him. Um, but when you get to know him, he was as warm as, as it could be. And same thing with his sister. I was afraid of his sister. I really was. And she's such a warm and loving woman. Um, and they grew up in the same house. So I, I see a lot of her brother in her that she's still alive. Tell us, what's the name of the documentary and how can people go and find it? Where can they watch it? It's available on the Shalom World TV platform. You can watch it there. Um, and the videos are available um, through, um, you know, Five Stones has, has the videos, I believe. Um, so, and then it's on the, uh, the platform, uh, the Augustine uh, platform as well. So there's, there's several places to get it. But, I, you know, if you just want to watch it and, and enjoy it for free, uh, you know, online, um, then go to Shalom World, uh, the Shalom World website, and look under Glorious Lives Cardinal Francis George. Um, you can also watch a, a documentary I did on the Little Sisters of the Poor, which you don't even see me in, but I wanted to do one. That was my idea. That one was my idea, saying, hey, Little Sisters of the Poor are such a great group of people, and Cardinal George loved them. Um, but we did, a, uh, we did a little half-hour documentary on Little Sisters of the Poor, as well on the Shalom World TV platform. But um, the Cardinal George documentary, by the way, is only 80 minutes. So it's not, you're not going to have to dedicate all this time. It's very short and to the point, but deep. And there's, there's a lot of important people in his life that we interviewed. I don't think we really missed anybody. Um, we have a lot of his, his statements on certain things. It's very positive. We have Jay Levine, who was the number one uh, reporter in Chicago who, who covered him. And those two would butt heads all the time, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, <laughs> enjoy a meal together, and they were uh, they were uh, great together. And um, you know, some of his oblates. Um, oh, <laughs> I mean, it's just a fun, whimsical view of of a very important person in history's life, and I, I think everyone would enjoy it. I think uh, you've seen it. Um, let me flip the switch on the other father. What's your opinion of the documentary? You've seen it. Yeah, you know, I'm very impressed by just the production work that Shalom World does. Uh, uh, you know, I've done a documentary on Roseye Chapels, and so I know what kind of work it is to host it, to direct it, to do the cuts and everything like that. So uh, it's marvelously put together, a fine production. And yeah, you truly get to know this great church man and, and learn about him. And I think that's what happens when we learn about people, then they begin to inspire us. And that's why I wrote the book, How They Love Mary, that we can learn from all of these different people. And How They Love Mary for me is autobiographical. It goes through my life 
saints I've read, kind of in the order that I've encountered them. And and Cardinal George, of course, mentioning again Mundelein Seminary, having seen him there and such. So, uh, yeah, I always think we can take inspiration uh, from the people who have lived the lived life before us, and and uh, that's what I hope people will take away from a glorious life. Cardinal Francis George, your documentary, and also a lesson in my book, How They Love Mary. Just kind of, I talked about the simpleness, the quietness of Cardinal George's Marian devotion. It wasn't overt. But yet it was there and present. And uh, I remember uh, Father Flens, you mentioned, he told me uh, in an interview that I did with him for the, the book, he said that whenever we would go somewhere, he'd always go into the chapel, he'd visit our Lord first, and then he would go to the statue of Our Lady and he'd say Hail Mary. So very devoted to Our Lady. And uh, yeah, I think that's inspiring for all of us. I agree. And um, I do believe that he will someday be a saint. Um, I, I definitely have that feeling he should be a saint, but for us on earth to determine whether you're a saint or not, um, the Lord has already determined that. And, um, you, you know, I do go, when I go to his gravesite and ask for his intercession, um, because I, I believe that I believe that you can ask for somebody's intercession, you know, even a family friend or, or, or your, 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 your mom or your dad or whoever it is, uh, your grandfather, whoever you want to pray to for intercession, but I definitely feel uh, Cardinal Francis George has the Lord's ear. And um, it's a good bet that if you ask for his intercession, uh, um, and there, there is, uh, there is some movement for his sainthood. There has been a couple of instances that uh, they're trying to, to uh, document um, in favor uh, of, you know, cause he needs a, a, a couple of, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Miracles. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, that. He uh, needs miracles. miracles. He needs, they need to investigate his life, so study his writings, right. see if there's holiness, etc. Yeah. Yeah. So, but miracle, I know they're miracles, but I was just trying to think of what what the terminology is in the sainthood process. But Yeah, so he would def- be declared heroic virtue, which would be... Uh, servant of God, uh, he can be a venerable, and then uh, a blessed, and then uh, a saint. Yep. So I do think, and I do think, in time, history will bear that out, and we on earth will recognize him as a saint. But uh, he's been a saint since the day he actually left the earth. So um, pray for his intercession. Definitely. Well, I encourage everybody to go check out a glorious life, Cardinal Francis George, a documentary by Shalom World hosted by Mike Stark, my guest today on How They Love Mary. Thanks so much, Mike, for joining me. And I encourage people to go watch the documentary, Find Truth in Life, the Audio Bible. Watch his documentary on the Little Sisters of the Poor. And he didn't mention he also did one on Marytown. So another documentary you can watch on Shalom World's platform. And one last thing about Cardinal George, he was a Bear fan, so go Bears. (laughs) Well, I won't repeat the Charlie Barron's line. (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Mike, for uh, joining me today. All right, my friend. God bless you. And thank you for the honor of being on your show. You're a a great priest and a great friend. Well, thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show and for all the many ways that you support the podcast. If you want to help out the podcast, be sure to check out Sock Religious. I love their socks. I love their shirts. 
And so go over to Sock Religious, use the link in the show notes, and buy some holy socks or some holy shirts that you can wear to evangelize your family and your friends. If you also want to support the podcast, I invite you to please share the podcast with your friends or on your social media platforms. Rate or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't mind, please follow me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My handle is at FR Edward Looney. You'll see all of the posts, all of the content that I put out each week by following me there. Thanks so much again for listening today. Know that I am entrusting you to the heart of Mary, asking her to pray for you this day and every day. And if you don't mind, say a prayer for me too. Let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.